So I'm assuming that somebody's standing in front of me, right? Yes, because there's warmth. I have a beard. Ah, wrong hands. No hands. Thanks. Hug. How was that? It's an interesting construct between what you're seeing and the feel, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm in a virtual world, but then all of a sudden there's warmth, right? Like that, that human perspective of like, you're sweaty, I'm sweaty. And then like little surprises, like I've got a beard. <laughs> um, <laughs> got a wedding ring on, or we've moved to a different place, or my hands are moving even when I'm not moving them. Or yeah, or trying to figure out where you are in space and time while you're not <laughs> in space and time. Yes. I, I don't know how else to say that other than, than that. All right. That's pretty cool. Um, jumping gigawatts, would that be the right phrase? Jumping gigawatts? Yeah. We'll Great googly moogly. Uh, Welcome to the Reinvention Podcast. I'm Aaron Anderson. Today, my co-host Kelly Beekman and I learn about a collaboration that might just help thousands of people cope with the trauma of an unimaginable disease. Visit reinventionpodcast.com for free resources, because sometimes you need to reinvent yourself without starting over. Can you imagine being a dancer or a sculptor and then all of a sudden you find yourself in front of a room full of ALS patients and their families, and they're asking for your help now. It's a terrible disease. It kills most people within two to five years. A very lucky few get 10 years, maybe. And in the meantime, it takes away everything. I mean, everything. So these people need your help with an urgency that you can't even explain. But you only sort of understand what you might be able to do. Because remember, you're a dancer or you're a sculptor and your training has nothing to do with healthcare. It's just that one of the projects you're working on might be able to help these people and a whole bunch of other people. But you've got to get it right and you've got to get it done now. So we're here in the beautiful Canvas House studio with my lovely co-host Kelly Beekman. Hello. Uh, so, Kelly, I'd like to introduce you to Jill Ware and John Henry Blatter. They're professors in the School of the Arts at Virginia Commonwealth University. Jill is trained as a dancer in ballet and other forms. Um, one of the groups she works with is called Amaranth Dance Company. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Oh, that's good. John is trained as a sculptor uh, or one of the mediums or some of the mediums. I'm not sure how you explain it. Is interdisciplinary technology and media. Is that right? That is correct. Uh -huh. <laughs> and together they run a virtual reality lab and have just started working in healthcare. And the thing that they're doing that I've seen is absolutely amazing and is going to help a lot of people because it's great. So Kelly, Jill, John, John, Jill, Kelly. <laughs> nice hey. to meet you all. I'm sorry, virtual reality? How does a dancer and a sculptor get hooked into virtual reality? Well, it was it was about a year and a half ago. Um, we worked together and have worked together for four or five years now. Um, there was a, a grant that came out for diversity inclusion. Um, Jill had been looking for um, looking into virtual reality um, a little bit and run across a group called Be Another Lab. Uh, it's a collective of artists and cognitive sciences and designers um, out of Barcelona. Um, that we're doing some really cool things um, with body swaps um, using the virtual reality, sort of a low-tech, high-tech 
combination mashup. Um, so we had written the grant to bring him over um, to do uh, an artist, like visiting artists. So they came over, did some lectures, um, some workshops for the classes. I was teaching 360 at the time. Um, and then we discovered that it was really great. And we had a lot of common interests and wanted to figure out how to continue to work with them. Um, so that was sort of our initial dive in okay. to virtual reality. So why virtual reality? What does virtual reality provide that you were, why were you seeking it out? You know, I, there's, well, I have a working theory now that I didn't have, I didn't know that I would have, <laughs> but I have a feeling it's what brought me into it. It's um, that virtual reality in 360 space um, for video. So 360 video in virtual reality, which is different than the animation. But 360 video in um, virtual reality is really all about movement. It's either you're stilling movement and you're trying to um, to emulate movement, but it really has so much to do about movement. And it's an open field. It's a place to discover new ways of moving, new ideas um, that surround movement. And it, I, I think I was looking for a place to discover new ways to talk about movement and new movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can, can you tell uh, Kelly just a little bit about the current that uh, the embodied thing that that <laughs> I stepped into. So if she if she came to your studio, if she came to your lab, what would happen? Well, we have um, so there, we're sort of combining virtual reality and a little bit of theater, so that there's um, performance that happens while you're in the headset. Um, the idea that we're sort of working with is uh, embodiment or uh, body transfer illusion. Um, so. Putting the filming is done in first person, uh, so the camera, a hemispherical camera, is placed uh, on the bridge of the nose, um, and the video is recorded and performed. Um, and then once that recording uh, has taken place, it's ported to the headset, uh, and then while the viewer watches it, there are haptic input. So it, there's touch, there's objects you're interacting that happen in the video, and then they also happen in the real space. Um, some of that is coming from the cognitive sciences uh, with the the body transfer. Originally, in the late 80s, there was a study done, the rubber hand model, um, where they place a rubber hand in front of you, um, where your left hand would be, and then move your left hand around so that you can't see it. Mm. Uh, and then they stroke uh, your fingers with a paintbrush in synchronicity, um, which then in turn fools the brain, which is fairly easy to fool. Uh, into believing that the rubber hand is your hand, mm. combining what it sees, the rubber hand, and what you feel, the touch of the paintbrush, um, it, you're able to swap over and reconfigure what reality is. Um, so using that principle um, with the body transfer illusion, so doing it full body mm -hmm. instead of just a rubber hand. So there's a there's a bunch of YouTube videos you can watch to yeah. show people doing that and then smashing the rubber hand <laughs> with a hammer just to freak people out. Yeah. I highly encourage you to watch it. Yeah, oh, I'm definitely going to check that out. Okay, so interesting. So then how does, um, John, how does your background contribute to this? I get, I can understand sort of from a dancer's perspective and I kind of see where we're going in terms of this being used in terms of therapy. But how does, what do you bring to the table here? Well, my background, so sculptor is what I've formally trained. Um, I haven't really built much in a really long time. <laughs> um, most of my personal work is uh, installation-based, so using audio and video to uh, recreate 
space and experience. Um, so whether it's uh, multi-channel video or multi-channel audio, creating a 3D space um, that you inhabit. Um, so when they were, when being at the lab came, I was teaching a 360 video class and uh, they did a workshop with our students, um, super fast and easy, um, where they, uh, the students decided they wanted to know what it would be like to be a bicycle. Mm -hmm. um, so they had strapped a camera onto the handlebars, went for a little ride outside of the building and came back. Um, we ported that into the headset uh, and then we had a viewer sit in a, a chair, like a rolly chair that rotates. Um, and then um, put the headset on and watch. And then so one student then grabbed the shoulders as the handlebars and steered the student in synchronicity with the bicycle <laughs> handles. Oh, yeah. um, That's cool. I had squatted down and was vibrating the chair itself in synchronicity to the cracks and the bricks and the pavement uh -huh. as they rid, rode. Wow. Uh, and then another student... Uh, was using a piece of cardboard to adjust the wind speed mm -hmm. um, for the experience. Um, and I think it was at that point that I was hooked. You know, like I had always, with any new technology as an artist, I think it's it's difficult to sort of figure out like how, what is a good use for it that's not just relying on the novelty mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was at this, so I had been thinking about virtual reality just because of my interest in doing totally immersive experience um, that seemed like the next space to go. Um, but I wasn't sure how to use it with any meaning. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, yeah, at the end of that experience, um, kind of the the ridiculousness of, you know, these three, four, five people Being recreating yeah. an experience for one single person uh -huh. um, was kind of absurd yeah. and kind of beautiful. And uh, so that's sort of what got me hooked and where my interests that's, have come in from. Yeah, that's so awesome. So it's almost like, I mean, I guess I've seen museum exhibits in the past where you just walk into a room that has, you know, special lighting or sound and it's supposed to be creating some sort of immersive environmental experience like you described. But yeah. this is taking that and putting it to a real therapeutic use, um, it sounds like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So using sort of that background um, mm -hmm. is sort of how we slowly worked into uh, the medical yeah. area, arena. Okay. Um, it was um, the Dr. Nestler, who was the chair of internal medicine. At, Dr. John Nestler. Yeah, Dr. John Nestler. Yeah. So it was the um, Dr. John Nestler, who from internal medicine, um, is the one that. He was so he was getting ready to retire. Um, he had about two years left. He was going to step down as chair, and was interested. He had an interest in the arts and the relationship between arts and medicine, and what the arts could do for medicine. Um, so he had taken it on as sort of a pet project his last two years to sort of work with artists in the School of the Arts. Um, so he was sort of shopping around, um, looking for cool projects that were happening, mm -hmm. collaborations that already existed between the two schools. Um, and, uh, and that's how we introduced. Someone had put him in touch with us, mm -hmm. and we sort of talked about the embodiment that we were working on mm -hmm. and everything. And um, at that point, uh, yeah, we, we started working on a study on, on how we could use it um, and if it uh, how impactful it was. Mm -hmm. um, so we had given him some background. We had done a few early sort of studies with Jill's ballet students um, and sort of playing around with the technology. Uh, but nothing really formal and structured. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how did you two get together? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Joe Seipel, <laughs> Dean Joe Seipel, uh, really 
um, kind of plucked us out of our situations we were in VCU Arts. I was running the Gray Street Theater and teaching in the dance department. John was working for VCU Arts IT. And he plucked us out of those situations and dropped us at the depot. (laughs) (laughs) And he stuck you together. He stuck us together. And um, I think that following semester, we taught a class together, Movement and Media. Yeah, Media and Movement. Now, was it a natural, like, did Joe go, oh, it's a natural fit? Or did he just say, hey, you two need something to do? I'm no, I think it was like the in the in the process of creating the the depot, which was sort of envisioned as an interdisciplinary space that would be um, owned by the dean's office uh, and used by everyone. So the idea of it of it being this space that nobody owned and everybody had access to, mm-hmm. to sort of foster collaboration across the school of the arts and across the departments. Um, and so for me, I was specking out a lot of, because of my job at IT, um, I had specked out a lot of the technology and everything for the building. So we have a production facility and a motion capture facility and 3D printing and all of this sort of tech. Um, and so I was involved in um, orchestrating and organizing most of that stuff. I also really wanted to teach. Um, so wanting to get outside of the IT um, and more into teaching and research, which mm. is really what my interest was mm-hmm. at. Um, I saw it as an opportunity. And it was something because I love collaboration so much and um, work interdisciplinary, it seemed like a good fit. So I really pushed to sort mm-hmm. of stay on. And you had been running a building. I had been running a building. And so essentially I was going to, they were taking me out of the Gray Street Theater and putting me over at the depot to run to run the um, the programming there because I was running the programming. Um, but I also um, was, I retired from performing, but I was in a dance company for a long time that was also very collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they, I remember they asked me if I wanted to do it. I think Joe asked me and I was like, well, is John going to do it? And he said, yes. I was like, okay, well then I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys had never heard of each other before. No, I had met John like a couple times and I was like, yeah, no, I think that's, that's a good fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. No, good. <laughs> so, um, so Kelly hasn't experienced the VR thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think personally, the coolest thing about it is the haptic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it and that has got to be a lot of your input. Yeah, I think the Barcelona video. Um, we so like fast forwarding from where it all started to we went to Barcelona in September. We won a grant. And we made sure that travel was a part of that grant. And um, we went to Barcelona to work with the Be Another Labs company to work on our workflow and check on um, software and just have a moment with them before we started on this pilot study with Dr. Nestler. And um, so when we were there, we decided we would make something because to test our workflow, mm-hmm. we would need to make something. So we made a movement video mostly to challenge the be another labs guys they 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 really like to be seated when they're in making their virtual reality mm-hmm. um experiences and i was like that's just not going to work for me so <laughs> <laughs> we're going to gonna, get some movement in we're here gonna yeah. to, we're going to do something else so yeah. the one we designed really is based on um like really basic uh contact improvisation and weight sharing Um, and a little bit of uh, movement um, 
kind of baseline philosophy on crossing the midline and kind of what that means to do that in in a body. Mm-hmm. And um, so it really was an experiment, but I think we were smart that we played to our, to our strengths. John was the camera, so you embody John, but I'm kind of leading it through sort of So can you teacher. explain, so uh, just narratively, tell Kelly, she puts the headset on, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then what, what happens to her? So when she first puts the headset on, um, she's she's in a chair and she and she'll look down and see John's legs. Okay, um, which would be a little freaky for you. I yeah, say. yeah, totally freaky. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll see me come in front of of you, saying hi. Um, take a moment and check out your new hands. And John lifts his hands, and hopefully you do too at the uh-huh. same time, and do gestures that sort of check out your hands. Yeah, right. And then um, I ask if you'll dance with me. So I um, lead him by the elbow to stand up, which essentially I'm leading you by the elbow Mm -hmm. to stand up. And uh, we touch hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, after doing that a couple of times, we touch hands and then we give weight to each other. So you're kind of leaning into each other and then putting each other back up onto um, to center. And it kind of uh, evolves from there. So a little bit more a little bit more trust and then some spiraling. Um, and we changed locations. So the first location, we're in front of this graffiti-filled backdrop in a courtyard in Barcelona. And then um, I lead John Ford, or essentially you if you were in the goggles, uh-huh. uh, forward, and we step into this beautiful garden. Oh, wow. Um, so a little bit of exploring spaces, too, in that video. And that- so how does the weight work? Like, so if I'm just wearing goggles, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I not fall over? Well, I'm there and I'm an experienced dancer and teacher and partner, dance partner. Um, So I'm there and I'm help. I'm leaning. I'm giving you my weight, too. Okay, got it. So she says, reach out your hands and then you reach out your hands. And then she, her virtual self, Mm -hmm. is reaching her hands out. And by the time your virtual self touches her virtual self, your actual hands are touching her hands. Okay. Yeah. And then she says. Now give me your weight and you lean forward. Yep. And it's, it's astonishing. Okay. Actually. Wow. That's mm-hmm. so cool. The, the coolest thing from my perspective is, so I work in the med school and there's the, we have virtual reality things there for the doctors. And they have haptic response things. So you push, you know, if you're, if you're cutting into tissue in the virtual room, you're pushing in that way as well. Mm. But those things cost $100,000, $200,000. Mm-hmm. And you guys are doing this with Oculus Rifts and like a $3,000 laptop. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. So wow. the cost. I mean, essentially, what they're doing is they're doing this really immersive thing that works really, really well mm-hmm. for virtually no money and has a really quick turnaround time. Yeah. So you can make all kinds of stuff. Fascinating. Did you have to learn how to dance, John? I think uh, just because of proximity, Jill and I have taught several times. Um, I don't know if I've noticed it, but my my wife and Jill have have noticed that I, I definitely move a lot more uh-huh. um, than I used to. <laughs> Much improved. Um, a lot more aware. <laughs> yeah. I think he was a dancer at heart. Uh-huh. I just, I think that he didn't, there was no, there was no opportunity um, for him to become a dancer mm-hmm. at a time that, you know, would have been, you could have made a career. Like he comes from Ohio on a farm. <laughs> they don't dance in Ohio on the farm. <laughs> no, not on the farm as much. But, but uh, I mean, I think I always think wanting to be a performer. I mean, mm-hmm. previous to this work, like in my in my studio practice for the last eighteen years, I have been the subject matter and the performer and the voice for most all of the work that I've created. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I think wanting to be a performer at heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
So, okay, so now you're doing that. So you're you're doing this to try and, and you have a study to mm-hmm. see if this actually has any measurable results. But I know you also had this um, sort of highly, um, I guess, uh, impactful conversation with these people who have ALS or the ALS families. Can you? Did you know what was, that was going to be going in? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because because I know that this was a this is a huge thing. Well, and also, can we back up for a second? Yeah. What was the results that you were testing to begin with? Like, did you uh, know that this was going to be have a therapy application, or what were you searching for? So the with? first for the for our first study, we have not completed it yet. Mm-hmm. We're working on it now. We will run the pilot study at the end of April with first-year medical students, and we're testing um, increasing empathy and reducing bias in gerontology patients. Oh. Cool. For their entire So, yeah, so we'll do a controlled study where, where you have uh, three gentlemen that we're working with um, that are in their uh, 70 to 72 years old. Um, and so we're creating three different experiences to be them. Um, and so it's sort of a combination of like their narrative to sort of humanize and personalize. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all filmed from point of view. So you become um, one of these gentlemen. Uh, and then the haptic inputs and everything to fill out the body transfer illusion. Um, so the idea being that the med students will have the opportunity to um, virtually and physically sort of understand what mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. To be seventy-two yep. years old. Yeah. Okay. Um, Isn't that cool? That's so awesome. Yeah, I've heard of um, some things kind of similar. I don't think as um, as complicated or as awesome as a virtual reality way of doing it. But I think I've heard of like people like putting on certain glasses to understand what sight is like, or um, mm-hmm. certain like weighted um, things to put on your body to feel like you know what it what it's like to walk around when you don't have full mobility. But this is taking it to a whole other level, which sounds very cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this so we're we're working with a gentleman now, um, and we'll run the study in April. The um, so and we're just trying to get a blip on the screen mm-hmm. with the research, um, but because of our relation relationship with Dr. Nestler, he um, had spoken to Dr. Scott Voda from MCV Neurology, Neurology and he uh, he was really interested. He's been using um, some experiences that were created from a pharmacology company. Yeah. Um, of seizure and is it Alzheimer's? No, uh, hallucinations, hallucinations. Uh, in conjunction with Parkinson's. Parkinson's, okay. um, there it is. So mm-hmm. the pharmacology company has, has made two experiences for him. Um, and he started introducing it into um, the education. Um, so the seizure one uh, is created. Uh, and it's sort of a, I think it's all real life. I haven't seen that one yet, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. I think it's all video based with actors and everything, but no haptic input or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you sit passively and watch it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. So he was already interested in this kind of work and he is, um, uh, we went and gave him a, a demonstration and um, and he suggested, you know, this this work with the ALS patients. And so that's how okay. that all began. But we, we met with the patients a week and a half ago. 
Yeah. Approximately a week ago. And what was that ago. meeting like? Because you didn't know what was going on going in, right? Well, no. we were told it was going to be like eight people at the meeting. So I, I was thinking like four patients, four caregivers. I wasn't really thinking. And it would, ended up being 25 people in the room yeah, or 27 20, people in the room. 20-some people. So we were completely unprepared. And, the, and they just put a call out to the ALS community that um, sort of surrounds the facility at Short Pump, the MCV mm-hmm. facility in Short Pump. And, um, and yeah, way more than eight people. <laughs> and, and they were really and excited plus. about the potential of what you have, right? They're so excited. And everyone wanted to volunteer to do it. Um, this particular community um, are, are really want to get the word out about the disease and are really, um, I mean, incredible people. I can't imagine what it's like to go through what they go through mm-hmm. and have anything left over to give back. It's mm-hmm. kind well, of... I mean, imagine, you know, phenomenal. if you think the thing that they've created here, you could show an, an ALS patient what will happen to them so they can understand mm-hmm. it. Or you could Separation. show their family members what it's going to be like inside them. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and... Uh, so that that meeting that you had, I know, was a little uh, emotional on your side. Can you talk about that? I think because I mean, you know, prior prior to it, I wasn't really that aware of of ALS, and so in, in preparations, we did a little bit of research about what the disease was and everything. Um, but having so many of them that were so dedicated and interested in wanting to get the word out, um, like the level of passion amongst the patients was intense mm. um, and, you know, devastating at the same time, you know, like, because now we're sort of looking, now that we're moving forward and we've selected a, a, f- a few of the patients that we're going to move with to create some experiences out of, um, we're running into a timeline um, in that because of the progression of the oh, disease, wow. yeah. um, you know, and affecting the muscles, mostly the involuntary or the voluntary muscles. Um, slowly fading away, different for every patient, mm-hmm. but so quickly, um, but rough because it doesn't affect cognitively at, right. at all. Right. Like a lot of other degenerative diseases that you think are getting older and everything, you know, cognition slips away. Mm-hmm. Um, where in this case, it is not. So frustrating. No You'll be effect. trapped yeah. whatsoever. So, trapped in a body. so then you end right. up being trapped inside of a body that's slowly shutting down. Wow. And so fully aware of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think is for me what was the most Im- impactful um, from and how does that them. how does that change what you are thinking about doing with this stuff or the timeline? Well, we have one one patient that patient that we're really interested in working with, um, and uh, she has six weeks to live probably, oh and so we have I mean. Six weeks till she won't be able to work with us. Yeah, oh. and um, and of course we yeah. So she's already concerned about how this is all going to go down. So we're we're trying to accelerate what what we can for her and yeah. um, and be committed to following through with as much as she wants to do and is mm-hmm. um, and it's safe for her to do mm-hmm. and. Um, but knowing that we may not be able to finish this one. And yeah. I think it was all fun and games until now. And yeah. now it's not fun and games. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, no, it, it matters. Now it matters. matters. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Like it was, um, yeah. It, 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 I think 
and I can't speak for John, but I, you know, dance for a long time. You know, I could kick my leg really high <laughs> and I could do a bunch of turns and I could jump really high. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I was blessed with good feet. So mm-hmm. that works. And, you know, and, um, and my world was kind of built around expressing things and being on stage. And um, and so that now this is it's awesome because it's what I have what I want Mm -hmm. but it's really scary at the same time um and just wanting to tread lightly and respectfully and Mm -hmm. uh but yeah definitely fun and games until but what what does it feel like to know that you could because no one goes into the arts because you think you're going to make money you go into the arts because you think if you do this thing right it'll touch somebody else and somehow it'll change their life in some little way right but you're now in a position to actually maybe help somebody on a really fundamental way in the worst day of their lives, the worst part of their lives. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I, I mean, how, is, how does that impact your understanding of what it is you do? I, I, it's, I, it's, so hard to, it's so hard to explain. You know, like for, for me, you know, working in the arts, you know, like I, I have collaborated a, a lot over the years. And I'm mostly, I think, for me, like wanting to be a part of something that's a little bit larger than I am. And I think that is sort of my drive in what it is that, it, that I do. Um, and now that this project has, now this project has, has started um, and we're now in the place that we are with ALS patients and the possibilities of being able to, to impact the, the caregivers to be able to to show family and friends a better understanding of what their loved one is going through that they're losing, mm-hmm. um, it's it's so much bigger than than anything I've worked on before. Mm. It's worth it. Um, so you're just beginning this, right? You're at the beginning of this journey of uh, sort of radically changing what you thought you were going to do with your careers into this new mm-hmm. world that has so much more depth mm-hmm. to it. Um, if you could go back, because you're just starting, you have no idea where you're going to be. Yeah. Like it's, pretty, it's pretty clear, though, that you, are, you, you have your, your fingers on the pulse of something that can help, mm-hmm. right? And you are damn sure going to make sure that you help as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. If you could go back to yourself who was just playing, mm-hmm. what would you tell yourself? to get ready for this moment? Mm. You, that is a really good question, though. I, You know, I think I think all that playing helped, though. I mean, I, I think I understand movement. I understand. Um, I've been thinking a lot about how to tell the ALS stories. Um, and it's basically a movement story. It's just a movement story that moves to stillness, like it comes to stillness instead mm. of, you know, mm. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would tell myself anything. <laughs> not, but, you know, I, I, I don't know, because I, I think all of that time on stage, all that time choreographing, all that time teaching students, all that all of that's still with me and still carrying into the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't. I, and it's kind of a, a little bit like a little kid. It's like keep them innocent until mm-hmm. <laughs> until they don't have to so be. So it's not. Innocent. So this isn't. Mm-hmm. This isn't. This isn't diminishing what you do. This oh, is adding no. to it. You're not changing really. No. You're you're building all of a sudden into this whole new thing. Yes. Yeah. No. I don't think. I don't know. I, I mean, I I would say this is 
a major deepening in my work, like mm-hmm. a major opportunity to deepen my understanding of movement, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the thing I crave most. Mm-hmm. If you could, if you could look forward five years from now, mm-hmm. what would you be doing? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know? (laughs) No, it's been such a crazy journey over the last 18 months um, that, yeah, it's hard to fathom where it's going to be in in five years. Can you get your head around it at all? I don't, I don't think, I don't think so. Um, You know, like I think, you know, we were asking sort of like, what we would tell ourselves when we started and everything. And I think just stay stay curious. I think that's what has gotten mm-hmm. us to where we're at. Um, and in hindsight, it all makes sense. Um, but at the time, it was like, well, we have, you know, like when we did the first study with the ballet students, where Jill was teaching ballet, so we have students, we're like, what happens if we do this? Mm-hmm. This might be kind of curious. And mm-hmm. so we did it. And... Um, looked at it, assessed it, and we're like, okay, well, what if we did this with the students? And um, so it has been sort of a a meandering journey, all led by curiosity and interest. Mm, yeah. Now that you see the amazing impact that it can have, are there, is your brain jumping to other populations that you might be able to help? I, I think there are really this i more than anything i've ever participated in i think it the it's an open field there's so many ways this could go mm-hmm. um we work with the medical community but we also um do our own work within it and then we have our own work um i think the so far we've been recreate you know doing experiences narrative experiences but i think there's therapeutic mm-hmm. implications we haven't even really um begun exploring i think we touched on it when we did the dance i i we did an experience um to get started called to be a dance teacher where i did a a combination my students put the goggles on mm-hmm. and i think there were some some things in there that mm. were like oh learning okay and, yep. this is interesting right learning uh-huh. movement and nuance and mm-hmm. and um in virtual reality spaces it's a whole nother thing i mean that's over here and mm-hmm. then we have the medical work here and the healthcare mm-hmm. work here and then we have our own work over here so it's like i i, I really don't know what <laughs> the possibilities are endless <laughs> we're just gonna yeah. take well, care we're gonna, of and we're going to get them a lab a virtual reality lab in the uh, center for human simulation and patient safety mm. at the, we're going to we're going to make that happen one way or the other i mean everyone everyone over there wants this Yay. and it makes nice. the most sense yeah. So we got that meeting set up for them. Yeah. Right. And we're excited. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's overwhelming. And there's lots of responsibility. Um, yeah. I, it's overwhelming, mm-hmm. but awesome. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm determined mm-hmm. <laughs> to go and do it. But mm-hmm. do you feel like you're the right people in the right place at the right time? Yes. yes. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like it's, it's, it's been interesting. You know, like so much of our time has been spent in like academia, in the arts and everything where there's lots of big personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's I think that's <laughs> I one you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know any of those <laughs> And I think that's I think that's one thing that's sort of unique about Jill and I is is like we don't we don't have those big per- like we're listeners. Mm-hmm. 
more than we're talkers. Um, and I think that feeds into the work and has, has helped us sort of get us to where we are. Um, but yeah, I think in that way we're maybe a touch different and mm-hmm. why we yeah. work so well together. Mm-hmm. I don't think um, one of our patients uh, that we were working with for the gerontology study told me that he's never seen people work so well together. And he was like, the thing that impresses me is if something's going wrong, you guys are so supportive of each other. Like, <laughs> we've you really are. never yeah. not done that. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that we've, ne- we've ever not done that. And um, I think, you know, leaving a big space for making mistakes and failing is another key to mm-hmm. us because failing, you learn so much sure. and maybe you forget something in school. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I mean, I, to get all worked up about stuff like that and we just don't do it and mm-hmm. just try to stay focused on what we're doing. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, uh, do you see why I wanted you to meet them? Yeah, they're awesome. Cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, huge yeah. I'm huge fans. I'm huge. I'm a huge fan. And I'm going to do everything I can to get you as much space to play in medicine as possible because I really, I honestly, truly think that what you're doing can make a, such a difference. And and you're right, it's brand new. And I think I think you get this study done, you write a paper that says this works, you work with ALS patients, and you discover the depths that you can do. We get a lab for you to work on, and you start a whole field. Mm-hmm. And you're, yeah. I, I, I mean. It, I can see it clear as day. I know you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's super exciting. Outsider perspective. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, seriously. I, I right. you, you can, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can do that. That, that sounds good. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, you are the first guests in this Ooh. room. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Yeah. yeah.